In Mark's gospel, just after Jesus has miraculously fed the 5,000, he then sends his disciples by ship across the Sea of Galilee, promising them that he will soon follow behind them. And so, per Mark's gospel, the disciples set sail and they begin their approach to Bethsaida, which is a fishing village on the opposite side of the sea. But, Mark writes, no sooner have the disciples departed than the winds were suddenly against them. The winds, Mark writes, were against them. Yes, they strain and they strain and they row and they row here in this story, but they get nowhere. The winds are just too strong. That is, until they see Jesus suddenly there beside them on the water, calming them by saying, take courage, it is I. Yes, the winds were against them. I've always found this to be a particularly powerful line, a line pregnant with deeper meaning and deeper resonance. For who among us has not experienced the reality of the winds being against us? That is, who among us has not known the experience of things falling apart, of things breaking down, things proving too difficult for us to manage? of things seeming simply insurmountable. All of us have, I'm sure. For no sooner have we finally made progress on, say, this challenge, whatever this challenge might have been, than this new challenge suddenly arises that is even more vexing for us than the first. Or no sooner have we gotten over that last heartbreak than some new, even more heartbreaking event occurs that knocks us right back onto our heels. Or no sooner have we finally gotten over that one debilitating fear than we find ourselves suddenly overcome and overwhelmed by a new one. I could go on like this for hours, of course. For such is the ever-present reality of winds in this life. Yes, the winds were against the disciples, Mark writes, to which I'm sure that we can all say, Amen. Well, the Apostle Paul certainly understood this reality. That is to say, this reality of the winds so often being against us in this broken, fallen world. In fact, Paul probably understood this reality more practically and more existentially than all of us. He even says as much in his second letter to the Corinthians. But, and here's the point that I'm ultimately driving to here, but familiar with the winds, though Paul no doubt was, he never feared being overcome by them. He was always subject to them, yes. 
but never ruled over by them. And there's a big difference. And that difference, it just so happens, is at the root of his final exhortation to the church in Ephesus. Wrapping up this magisterial letter on how our ultimate hope as Christians is in the coming kingdom of God and on how the very structure of reality is grounded in the all-encompassing, all-enveloping love of God, wrapping this magisterial letter about those things up, Paul then nods to the reality of the ever-present winds in this broken world and writes, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power so that you may be able to withstand. For you see, our struggle, he explains, is not just with flesh and blood, but far more important than that, it is also with the winds, which is to say, it is with the powers and the principalities, he says, that lurk just underneath things said and things seen. It's with the realities of darkness and evil in this world. It's with the near constant presence of hurt and pain and challenge in our lives. It's with the unshakable realities of fear and anxiety and despair and death itself. These are mighty foes indeed, Paul is saying as he's closing this letter. These are mighty foes indeed, so be not ashamed to find yourselves struggling to row forward amid them. But all the while, Paul is saying, as you struggle, be strong in the Lord, which is to say, amid the heavy winds of heartbreak and loss, never forget the ultimate hope we have in the coming restoration of things. And amid the harrowing winds of defeat and self-doubt, never forget the love of God that not only surrounds you, but that indeed serves as the very structure of the reality you live and move and have your being in. It's put on the whole armor of God, Paul writes, so that even as you remain ever subject to the pressing winds of life, in this broken world, you will never feel that you are fully overcome by them. For strong as they are, he is saying, these winds do not get the final word in the Christian story. Instead, it is the one who meets us amid the winds and says, take courage, it is I. Who does? Go back with me to that boat amid the sea of Galilee. Picture with me again those heavy winds, that boat rocking back and forth amid the waves. See now the fear stretched across the disciples' faces. See now the anxiety palpable in their expressions. Surely they not only felt that they were subject to these heavy winds in that moment. Surely in that moment they also felt that they were being ruled over by them. 
Which is to say, surely this was a moment for the disciples when it felt as if the winds were fully authoritative and were the ones in complete control. No doubt this was one of those moments, moments like we all experience in this life, when the winds felt simply too great for them to bear, and thus they felt they were going under. But just then, just at the very height of their worry, just at the very crest of their panic and despair, just at the very zenith of their feelings of helplessness and resignation, just then they beheld beside them the one who breathed the entire world into being. And notice here they hadn't beckoned him. They hadn't prayed to him. They hadn't performed in order to conjure him. They hadn't done anything other and simply experienced themselves as being beaten and battered by the winds. But there nonetheless was he, just as he's always been before, just as he ever would be. The one whose incarnation signifies his love for humanity and creation. The one whose resurrection from the dead points forward to the restoration of all things. Take courage, that one says, amid the storm. For it is I. On his deathbed, the final words that the English poet Gerard Manley Hopkins reportedly spoke where I am so happy I am so happy I have loved my life Hopkins you must know was a mere 44 years old when he died not to mention he was a man who lived his entire life with what would today be diagnosed as unipolar depression it was typhoid fever that ultimately claimed his life, but it was the harrowing winds of life in this broken, fallen world that ailed him from his first breath to his last. And over his career, Hopkins wrote beautifully and painfully of these realities, of these harrowing winds that he experienced, and he never tried to sugarcoat them. That is to say, Hopkins never pretended like his boat sailed smoothly across the waters from one side of the sea seamlessly to the other. No, no, instead Hopkins wrote of how the winds of life seemed so often against him and how the oars were so often heavy in his hands and how the waves were so often too strong for him to row against. But here's the other thing that you must know about Gerard Manley Hopkins. Not only was Hopkins a poet, he was also a priest. And thus acutely aware his whole life to how subject he was to these winds, he, like the Apostle Paul before him, never experienced himself, never saw himself as being ruled over by them. That is to say, he never allowed himself to believe that no matter how dominating they were, that they were the ones that would get the final word in God's world. 
know in Hopkins' mind and in Hopkins' heart, no matter how heavy the winds got and no matter how large the waves swelled, he nonetheless trusted and he nonetheless believed that the one who spoke the world into being was always right there behind him, always right there beside him, and always out there before him, constantly holding him and sustaining him within his all-containing, all-expansive love, and constantly assuring him that all of his pain and fear and worry and heartbreak would be transformed one day in the grand restoration of all things that is to come. Hopkins believed that. In fact, he wrapped himself in that belief. He stood firm in that belief. And thus, amid his melancholy and his struggle, Hopkins always felt a certain sweetness to life. A certain promise amid the pain. A certain hope amid the despair, and therefore he knew a certain foundation in his life, even as the winds battered day by day. And this is why, at the young age of 24, after a life marked by such hardship, and staring now into the face of a far too early death, Hopkins at 44 was able to say, I am so happy. I am so happy. For I have loved my life. It wasn't the absence of winds that gave Hopkins such surety and such transcendent, inexplicable joy. Instead, it was the presence of Christ Jesus there with him amid those winds. And the promise of being with Christ Jesus in his kingdom come. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his power, Paul writes. So that you may be able to withstand. In conclusion, dear family, let us understand this. Being strong in the Lord and in the strength of His power is not about summoning some extra element of strength that is presently lacking in our own. As if the strengthening power of Jesus had been about His lending extra muscle to Peter and John that day amid the stormy sea or as if it were about his revitalizing the flagging leadership capacities of Andrew and Nathaniel. No, the strength of Jesus' power that day came as it comes every day, and the sudden certainty of his presence there with them. And the sudden trust in his ultimate lordship over all things and the tender calm of knowing that He was there beside them to sustain them, even in the middle 
of the storm. Who is this man, the disciples whispered to themselves that day as they felt things around them beginning to calm. Who is this man, they asked, that even the winds obey him? Yes, in this world, the winds will at times be against us. This is certain. This was true for the disciples. This was true for the Apostle Paul. This was true for Gerard Manley Hopkins. This is true for everyone. But in the end, though, the one whom the winds obey is the one who is always behind us and beside us and out before us, even when we don't know it and or trust it. Would that we'd know it today. Would that we trust it as true. So that when the winds of life inevitably begin to blow, we, thereby strong in our weakness and strengthened in the Lord's power, will be able to withstand. So that even in the midst of the storm, we can look there beside us and feel that presence and hear that voice saying, Take courage, dear heart. For it is I. Amen.